we need to concentrate and focus our lives on following Jesus. Listening to Him, watching what He did, doing what He did, learning from the life of Jesus. What does it mean to be a disciple? If someone were to ask you, if you were a disciple of Jesus, what would you say? How would you answer that question? Yes, for sure, I'm a disciple of Christ. Listen, the question uh, is not, are you saved? The question is, are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? I found this definition of biblical discipleship. Biblical discipleship is a model of how Christians could and should live their lives in reflection to Jesus' example and his mission. It involves not only a personal faith with God, but sharing that faith with other people and building up more disciples. So if that definition is correct, and I believe it is, then you're really not a disciple of Jesus if, you, if, if his words are not clearly demonstrated in how you live your life. Everyone who says they're a disciple is not necessarily a disciple. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of John, chapter 1. As we continue to make our way through this gospel, whose purpose was to explain to us the deity of Christ so that we might believe in him and be saved. Let's stand for the reading of the word of God. John chapter 1, starting at verse number 35. <clears throat> Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He said unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. When uh, one of the, the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. For he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, a city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? 
Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the, the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he said unto them, him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for uh, your goodness and your mercy and your love. And dear Lord, so thankful for this passage of Scripture that would help us to, to analyze our lives and see if we fit the definition of a disciple of your Son, Jesus Christ. And dear Lord, I pray that this, this message will bring conviction in our hearts that we might uh, change some things in our life that, what, that would uh, make us more a disciple of Christ rather than just someone who's been saved and, and is going to church. Dear Lord, I pray that dear Lord, we will always serve you with our lives, that we'll give all of our lives to you. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would just use this message that it might, might spread to those that are here today and that they will realize the need to follow you in their lives. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. The modern idea of Christianity today is about, uh, about discipleship is, is that discipleship is more like an affiliation. Uh, it, it's like a club that you join. You pay your tithes or your dues and and you sign up and you go to a few meetings and you go uh, when you want to go and you do what you want to do. Uh, because after all, that's what it means to be a disciple. Well, I want to tell you today that there's a lot more to being a disciple than just signing up and coming to church. And giving an offering every once in a while, voting in a business meeting every, uh, once a year. Uh, there is more involved in being a disciple than what most people think. One of the things that Jesus did when he would talk about discipleship was he, he wanted people to know uh, that what they were getting into. In Luke chapter 14, he said, if you don't uh, hate your mother and your father and brothers and sisters, you cannot be my disciple. After that statement, Jesus spoke a parable that involved two illustrations uh, of that concept. One is uh, about a king who goes to war. But before he does, he, he counts the cost, or he would be a fool. The other illustration is about a man who built a tower. He counts the cost before he starts the project. I would say to you today that it is, Jesus, it is God's will for you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But he wants you to be a disciple with eyes wide open. And understand that it is not signing a pledge card it's not coming to service every once in a while. Uh, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's going to cost you everything that you are. Everything that you have is a lifestyle. It's not just a preference. So what does a disciple of Jesus look like? In our modern day, what does it look like? What do you do so that you can be a disciple? First of all, I want you to tell you that if you want to be his disciple, you must follow Jesus. 
If you want to be his disciple, you must follow Jesus. There would be some that would say, that's nuts to follow Jesus. Jesus is not even here in this earth today. We can't follow Jesus. I will admit that Jesus is not on the earth today in the physical body, but we can follow Jesus by following, following what the Bible says about him. What do you have to do to follow Jesus? Well, let's work on our way up to that point. Um, John the Baptist had been preaching. And by the way, it's very interesting that John the Baptist did not introduce Jesus as the Messiah. The text that we read this morning tells that there, there were some men who did. Uh, but when John the Baptist introduced Jesus, it was not, here is your next king. He didn't say, here is your Messiah. But, but I, uh, on two different occasions, John introduces Jesus uh, by lifting his voice and crying to all of Israel, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Amen. You see, they needed a Savior more than they needed a King. More than needing someone who would help them politically, they needed a Savior. That is the issue. That is the problem he came to solve. The problem is, uh, that, that is my problem and that's your problem. Uh, it's a problem with the whole world. It's not a problem with our politics or not our co economy. Our, 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 our problem is that we are in need of a Savior and Jesus came to die for our sins. So John the Baptist crying out to everyone in the land of uh, here is the Lamb of God. Those who believed that were baptized and began to follow John the Baptist. Now Jesus comes on the scene. And the disciples of John the Baptist start following Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Number one, you have to accept Jesus as the Lamb of God. You can't follow Jesus and not receive him as the Lamb of God. You've got to believe that you're a sinner. You have to believe that there, there is nothing that you can do on your own about that sin. You must believe that Jesus and Jesus only is the one who can take away the sins of the world. These disciples had accepted that they had, and then they followed Jesus. Notice verse number 43. It says, the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and find his Philip. And saith unto him, follow me. Now notice these words, uh, uh, notice in verse number 37. And the two disciples heard him, that is John the Baptist, uh, speak, and they followed Jesus. You see that phrase in verse 37, they followed Jesus, and then again in verse 43, follow me. We, can we can't understand this passage of scripture unless we see how it connects with the words, follow me, and they follow Jesus. You've got to accept Jesus as the Lamb of God. And secondly, you've got to follow Jesus. I know I'm old. Um, I understand that. But um, did you ever play the game Follow the Leader? Uh, when we were younger, it was a silly game. I think, I think about it today, and what I figured out is that our te teachers had tricked us. 
Uh, it wasn't about following the leader. It was about getting us out of their hair for three minutes. <laughs> but you know what? That's what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. You follow Him. You follow Him. You follow Jesus. You see, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, it's not just merely taking a few steps, uh, taking the steps that He took during that day. To be a disciple, whether you're uh, whether you are a disciple of Jesus Christ or a disciple of Plato or uh, a disciple of Aristotle, uh, that would mean that you sat at his feet. You would hear him. You would understand him. And you would learn from him. You would allow him to shape your life. As a disciple, we don't get to choose the terms of being his disciple. You know who determines what's going to take what it's going to take for you to be a disciple? Jesus. So if you have the idea that, yeah, I want to be a disciple of Jesus, but, but here are the conditions. You will never be a disciple of Jesus. I want to be a disciple of Jesus, and I think I could probably pencil you in on Sundays and, and Wednesdays, but, but that's really all I got. You will never be his disciple. You will never be his disciple as long as you have terms and conditions attached to it. Here's what I'm saying to you. To follow Jesus, you're going to be grabbing at every word that he says. And you're going to be imitating what he says and how he lived. Where do you think would be the hardest place for you to live this out? To be like Jesus? To say what Jesus would say? To do what Jesus would do? Where would be the hardest place for you to live that out? Let me tell you the easiest place. Right here. Uh, I, I mean, we have, uh, we have our, our Sunday go to meet and close on. Uh, most everybody has a smile on their face. Uh, we, we're relatively happy. The Lord has, has cooled us off a bit this weekend. We're all right and everything is good. And uh, It's easy to be a disciple here. We can call each other brother and sister and we can embrace one another and, and we like each other. At least we act like we do. Uh, it's easy to be a disciple here. It's easy to use pleasant sounding Christian words here. But let me ask you about tomorrow morning when you go to work and you turn on the computer something's happened. The devil got in there. You know, you get in there, everything's messed up. Uh, what about if you get up in the morning to go to work and you have a flat tire? Or you get up in the morning and you don't want to go to work? The devil got in you, didn't it? Well, and you're tired, you're worn out, you think, I don't want to do it. Can you be a disciple of Jesus then? Can you be a disciple on Monday morning at work when nothing is going right? Can you be a disciple of Jesus before you leave home on Monday? I think one of the most difficult places to live out being a disciple of Jesus is not at work, it's not at church, but it's at home. We're day in and day out. 
you deal with the same people. The same issues over and over again. And there are issues that need to be dealt with and there are things that need to be changed. And uh, there, there is where the discipleship must be played out. You'll never be an effective disciple of Jesus anywhere until you are an effective disciple of Jesus at home. Which means you're able to say what Jesus said. Which means you're able to do what Jesus did. These disciples were following Jesus. They were not just walking the same path that he took. They were following his example by their own lives. They were living like Jesus. They heard what he said. They saw what he did. Uh, but, but their life became his life. And they imitated what Jesus did. That's what it means to be his disciple. Uh, that's what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, now, now, what was their motive? Why did these men follow Jesus? In verse number 38, it says that Jesus noticed two of them following him. And he turned around and asked them a simple question. He asked the question, what seek ye? And their answer was pretty simple. They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to be an interpreted master, where dwellest thou? And I love how Jesus answered this question. They, they asked, where do you live? And Jesus said, come and see. And verse 39 indicates they spent the rest of the day with Jesus. When Jesus answered their question, where do you live? He told them, you come and see. He didn't say, you know, it's late. Why don't you come to my house? Uh, when Jesus say, said, come and see, he is getting to their motives. If you really want to be my disciples, you've got to be willing to come and see. You've got to be, you've got to come and follow. Why do you want to follow me? Why do you want to be my disciple? You see, Jesus is dealing with our motives. And in the Christian life, there are just a few things that are more important than our motives. Why we do what we do matters. So it says, come and see. Jesus says, what is it that you want? And they said, we just want to be where you are. We want to follow you. I think the purest motives for following Jesus is not to, to get anything else or to anyone else. It is just to get Jesus. The motive for wanting to be his disciples is just to get Jesus. The motive for wanting to follow him is just to get more of Jesus. The motive for following Jesus is so that we can be uh, with Jesus all of the time. When was the last time you spoke to your mom or dad? Some of them are gone now. What would you do to have five minutes with them now? That's the way it is. That's the way it is. People that you love, you want to be with them. People that you love, you don't like being separated from. It's, it's, it's like being literally torn apart. We want to be with people we love. I'm here to say to you, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you will love him. You will love him. 
And you will want to spend every second you can in the presence of Jesus. When you are a disciple of Jesus, you will want to spend time with Jesus every waking minute that you have. When you follow Jesus, you get Jesus. Wait a minute, I, I thought if I followed Jesus, I would get money. I thought if I followed Jesus, that I would have a healthy body. I thought if I followed Jesus, that I would get peace. I thought if I followed Jesus, that life is going to be easier. It's going to be all honey and no bees. It's, it's going to be roses and no thorns. I thought if I got Jesus, I would get all of that. I'm telling you that when you get Jesus, you get all of that, all that you will ever need. When you get Jesus, you get it all. And Jesus is enough. So number one, if you want to be my disciple of Jesus, you've got to be willing to follow Jesus. There's a second thing I want us to see about being a disciple of Jesus, and that is not only that you must follow him, but if you want to be his, a disciple of Jesus, you've got to tell other people about Jesus. If you want to be his disciple, you must tell other people about Jesus. This idea that I'm saved, I'm on the way to heaven, I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm following him, I'm allowing him to influence my life, but I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm going to be a secret disciple? Oh, no, you're not. There is no such thing as a secret service in the servant, a, a, a secret service servant of Jesus Christ. You're going to experience the grace of God. You're going to taste of the grace of God and, and find it as good. You're going to walk with Jesus and experience spiritual growth in Him. You're going to find acceptance and love and forgiveness and everything that, that you've ever needed in, in Jesus and, and don't want anybody to know about it? No. But if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, then you've got to talk about it. Look what he says in verse number 40. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Simon, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, uh, in verse 41, in verse 42 it says, and he brought him to Jesus. I love these words. He found his brother and brought him to Jesus. I think Peter was already converted at this point. I don't, I don't think he was winning him to the faith in Christ. Obviously, he's already been saved. Obviously, Andrew has been saved, but they are being brought to Jesus for the first time. Now notice what they say about him. And uh, he, he tells Peter, we have found the Messiah. Now, the Messiah is another term, uh, title for, for Jesus. Uh, Jesus is his name and the Messiah is his title. So he says, we have found the anointed one of God. So we have found, we have found the promised one. Now notice verse number 43, it says, The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and find a Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Look at his testimony in verse 45. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law uh, and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Both of these men found Jesus and they're telling people about Jesus. If you found Jesus, you need to tell other people how to find Jesus. It is treason in the high courts of heaven for you to be saved and on your way to heaven and, and you not share the message with others. It is a sin against God. 
for you to eat of the bread of heaven and, 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 and not tell the hungry men how to find the bread of life. We are to share the message. So if you want to be his disciple, you've got to tell others about Jesus. Notice what Philip said. Notice how they are introducing Jesus. They're not talking about what great sinners they were in their past. They're not talking about what they did before they came to the Lord. They're not talking about their denomination. They're not talking about their church. They're talking about Jesus. I think we as Christians try to soothe our conscience by inviting people to church. Where is that found in the Bible? Invite him to Jesus, folks. The church can't save them anyway. Invite people to Jesus. You can invite anybody to church. Invite him to the Savior. The Bible never said to the lost, go to church. It is Jesus who saves. Notice what he says. He didn't say come to our church. He said we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. I love Philip's response to Nathaniel's doubts. He said, can, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He didn't understand how that could happen. And, and then notice what he said. He says, come out, come and find out for yourself. And he said, come and see. Come and find out. You know, sometimes when we talk to skeptics, people that doubt what you say about Jesus, and they have all these questions and all the concerns about Jesus, uh, just tell them what Philip said to Nathaniel. Come and see. Try him out for yourself. And I want to tell you that anybody who honestly tries out Jesus will never be disappointed in Jesus. So he says, come. There's a third thing I want us to see. If you want to be his disciple, you must be transformed by the power of Jesus. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, then you have to be transformed by the power of Jesus. I, I want to show you what Jesus said to Peter. He says, I'm going to change your name. Uh, I'm going to change your name to Cephas. I'm going to change your name because I know I'm going to change your nature. In that day, a person's name talked about the kind of person that person was. Their character. Who their daddy was. Today, parents want their children to be named names that no one has ever heard of. Names that don't mean anything. Uh... But in that day, a name meant something. And the Lord said to Peter, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change your name to Rocky. I'm going to make a rock out of you. I'm going to call you Cephas. Now, you're not a rock now, but that's what I'm going to call you. I, I see so much in that exchange of words. And, and, and that is, God sees us in, in our potential that we don't have a clue. You, you, can, you can just see Peter looking at Jesus at this particular time. Me? Seriously? Out of all these guys, you're, gonna, you're going to name me the rock? Lord, do you know what happened on our fishing trip last night? Do you know what I did last week? And the Lord said, yeah, but you can't see what I can see. I, I can see past my three and a half years with you on this earth. 
I can see past the cross. I can see past the resurrection. I can see past the, the ascension. I can see the day of Pentecost. When there will be a multitude of people gathered together. And it will be you who will stand and preach with power. And 3,000 souls will be saved. Because I can see in you what you don't see. I can see your future that you can't see. Can I say this this morning? You may think that I can't do anything for God. I don't have a gift. I don't have a talent. I don't have an ability. And the Lord sees in you, you today your potential. He can see what you can become. When you allow Him to be your master and you be His disciple. You know those roles work very well when you don't reverse them. He said, yeah, I'm going to change your name. I, I can see something in you. I, I think of our boys that are running around here in our church. Yeah, I know they seem to be a little rowdy. They're healthy boys. They're active boys. And the parents are sometimes embarrassed and apologizing over their active, active boys. I'm thinking there's need, no need to apologize here. Number one, we accept kids as they are. Number two, more than likely, God is seeing that energy-filled, rambunctious little boy. And he says, yeah, you're seeing a little boy that's disruptive in, in Sunday school. And I'm seeing a little boy that will one day end up on a foreign mission field preaching the, uh, the gospel. People are going to be saved and baptized. Churches will be established. And all you see right now is trouble. And God sees triumph. We look at people who have messed up. By the way, is there anyone here who hasn't messed up? That's what I thought. If that is so, then we need to step down from our high and lofty attitude and stop judging. Every once in a while, somebody will mess up. We look down our noses at them. They're done. They're over. They're finished. Well, I'm glad to say that we're not the ones to get to make that call. Amen. It is God who says it's over and not you. Amen. It is not this church's. It's God. Well, they messed up, so they're done. God said, yeah, you marked their foreheads done, but I see restoration. Down the road, I see them being used greatly in the service of the Lord. So Jesus says to Peter, I'm going to change your name. I'm, I'm going to change who, your, your nature. I, I, I'm going to, uh, you're going to be somebody that the world is going to say, I can't believe that this is that fisherman that I, that I used to know. And, and you know what happens when that be, happens? All the glory does not go to Peter. But to God, and that's what he was after all along. Isn't that wonderful that God can look down on your life right now and say, what a, well, I'm in a mess? The good news is that really, that's really the kind of people that God uses. I, I don't know very many people who have it all together. I'll tell you who God's using these days. He's using people like the Apostle Peter. 
He's using people like the Apostle Paul, who didn't have it all together. They were sinners saved by grace. They became disciples of Jesus. That's who God is using these days. So he tells Peter he's going to change his name. I'm going to allow you to do things that others can only dream of. Then Jesus says about Nathaniel, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathaniel asked him, how do, you, how do you know this about me? Jesus said, Before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree and I saw you. The one that we serve knows all things. I want to ask you a question. It's the same question I started with. Will you consider yourself to be a disciple of Jesus? Are you following Him? Are you doing what Jesus would do? Are you saying what Jesus would say? Do you have the attitude that Jesus had? Do you have the mind of Christ? Are you a disciple? Are you telling other people how they could be a disciple of Jesus? Has your life been transformed by the power of Jesus? You must have experienced that. Listen, you can't be his disciple if you have not been saved. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. Isn't it good to be new in Christ? Amen. You see, you accept Jesus as your Savior and He changes you. You tell others about His grace, His power, His love, His mercy. You follow Him and you imitate His life. And you do it because you want more of Jesus. You do it because you love Jesus. I'm asking you again right now. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Let me ask you this question. Have you been saved? You know without a shadow of doubt that when you die you'll go to heaven. You don't go there by being good if that's what you're putting your eternity on. You're in trouble. You may be here feel like you can't be used to God. You've had a past. Your life is still upside down. You think there's no way that God can use this life. Do you remember us talking about Peter? 53 days before he preached and 3,000 were saved, he denied that he ever knew Jesus. You remember Paul? He was responsible for the first martyr of Christianity and yet God used him to preach the gospel in many places, to start churches across the known world, to speak to the leaders of the Roman Empire about Jesus, to write 14 books of the New Testament. God can use you. Are you willing to be his disciple? If the Lord has spoken to your heart this morning, do whatever He speaks to your heart about today. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for this day. We thank You, Lord, for this message. And dear Lord, I pray that we would all examine our lives and see 
if we are truly disciples of Jesus, we're not playing games. We've committed our whole life to serving you, dear Lord. I pray, dear Lord, that we will, we will take our relationship with you seriously. That we will tell others about the precious salvation that you have offered to all mankind. And that you would change us from the sinful person that we are to a person who would glorify you with our lives. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do, what you have done in our lives, and what you continue to do. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your kindness. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.